This is Radio Free Istvan. The following public service announcement is direct from the Praetorian. Do not look directly at the Black God machines. Any dreams of paradise should be duly ignored and combat stims taken immediately. Remember, all defectors will be shot on sight. Emperor protects. What's going on, Radio First Van listeners, and welcome to episode 160 of the Radio First Van podcast, a horse heresy wargaming podcast. My name is Michael. I got my co-host Derek here. What's say? What's going on, Derek? What's going on, Derek? And uh, we also have a powerful Gray. Hey. I would say, what's going on, Gray? <laughs> Whoa, she did it. <laughs> yeah, she goes. She freaking did it. <laughs> uh, head of security. <laughs> This is the second time we're doing the opening because the first one would have been a uh, a headphone warning. Oh yeah, yeah so yeah. <laughs> so we had to step back, and so uh, we've we've done this opening before, and we called Gray head of security last time. So it's good stuff. Uh, that being said, uh, we do have a a good episode planned for you guys today. Fun little episode going. Fun little episode. Uh, we're gonna go over uh, our normal opening. Then we're gonna do some. Oh my goodness. Then we're going to do some uh, a voicemail. We did get a long voicemail from Powerful Duncan from the uh, Heresy Accountability Buddies podcast. Hell yeah, I love those guys. Uh, then we're going to talk about some hobby progress and the Siege of Sithonia campaign that you're running. We're going to talk about that. Oh yeah, that's been underway locally. A couple things. We're going to talk about you running the campaign and how that's been going. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we, I got a game in. We're going to talk about the game that I got in. Oh, yeah. I got curb stomp. So it was kind of... <laughs> <laughs> Spo- spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. It did not end well for me. I learned some quite a few things that I'd like to discuss with y'all about uh, what doesn't work in heresy. Because I think I did a lot of things that didn't work. But... Yeah, I mean... Tried some stuff. Learned some I, I, things. Some, some matchups I definitely wanted to see. Yeah, some, some valuable data from that. So, uh, that being said, before we hop into everything, I do want to let you guys know uh, once again a good reminder: if you go to thirty k discord dot com, mm-hmm. you can get into our Discord or it's horseheresydiscord dot com. Both of those will work. They'll get you to an invite link. Hop into the Discord, go talk with some dudes, meet up some dudes. And if you're a good painter out there that listens to our podcast, you think you got the chops, right? Ooh, we have a a painting competition every month. And with that painting competition, the winner that's voted by the community gets a $50 uh, gift certificate, gift card, one way or another. I contact your local gaming store. We get you $50 there. And so far it's worked out pretty well. They've just been cool oh, with, uh, yeah, with receiving out, money. Yeah. People like to receive money. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it worked out pretty well. Uh, congratulations uh, to powerful uh, Samarius. His name's Aaron. Powerful Aaron in our <laughs> in, in, in the Discord. Uh, he printed up this insane artillery piece for uh, for last month's big model. He did win uh, oh, yeah. Armada Games in Florida. I contacted them. They were like, "Who the hell are you?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm a guy. I run a podcast. This dude had a, we have a painting competition. He won. I want to give you all fifty dollars as credit for him." And they were like, "Let me talk to my manager and give you a call right back." <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I That's just, fair. That's fair. That sounds like one of those like gift card scams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to give you $50, and once I buy something, I'm going to go ahead and refund my PayPal. No, they invoiced me that everything, Powerful Armada Games, they were great. They they, they rolled with it. And so, uh, Aaron, congratulations. You earned it. Uh, great model. 
Uh, if you want to hop in this month, there's still time. You can come into the Discord. It is a five to ten man squad. Anywhere in between there. If you have a squad that you're painting up right now and it's still in its uh, either bare plastic or primed phase, hop in. Come get the secret word. Uh, this work word. This month's word was agapito. Yes. And all you have to do is uh, write Agapito on a card with the date in front of your models. Take a picture. Even if you just want to do that now with no intentions of uh, signing up, you know, just, just in case these are the best models you accidentally ever painted. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes you just you get, you get possessed by the spirit and you just crank out some wild stuff. Every squad I've painted, I've taken a little picture with Agapito on the card <laughs> just in case. <laughs> There you go. Uh, also, if you guys are curious and if you guys want to support the podcast, we did reopen the Patreon. Yes. I saw uh, that. We uh, uh, did reopen the Patreon. It is going to go towards uh, funds for doing weird stuff. Uh, speaking of weird stuff, we did uh, oh, uh, sponsor a TikToker this month. Bless that man. Uh, Mitch tries on TikTok. Um, he is a TikToker that tries out Chinese restaurants cheeseburgers. Yes, and uh, so we sponsored one of his uh, uh, one of his burgers, and uh, it was five out of five burgers. So hell yeah, it was a great time. He uh, <laughs> he went to uh, Hoorahs or Kara's. I can't remember the place, but either way, we were just helping his journey out. Uh, <laughs> found him on TikTok. Yeah. Love what he was doing. Got that man a cheeseburger. Uh, he does it every Tuesday. He'll go find a new Chinese <laughs> restaurant, go try out their burger. Uh, he went to one today, actually, as we're recording this, and uh, they did not sell burgers where he was, but they made him a burger patty melt uh, that tasted like egg rolls, and they did not eat the whole burger. So oh it, my was, gosh. it was a, <laughs> it was a valiant effort on their part, but uh, I believe that it got one out of five burgers. If that isn't content, I don't know what is. <laughs> so, so yeah, they don't sell cheeseburgers here, but I got them to make me a patty melt, so we're going to rate it. <laughs> it did not turn out well. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh go check that out dudes mitch tries on tiktok uh <laughs> just in case you're wondering uh, where your patreon money goes it's gonna be stuff like that yeah we definitely um <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're going out of pocket for a minute there <laughs> sometimes sometimes you just gotta throw something out there and see see what comes out of it oh uh, all right so we got all the uh got all the mm. plugs out of the way yeah, I thought you were going to bring up the new uh, Roast My Painting channel. Oh, did you like that? How do you think about that? Well, I think that's dope. So it's basically a Discord channel where you can put your uh, put your minis and get some like honest, constructive criticism. Yes, and not mean stuff. And like basically it says in there, uh, it is a channel on the Discord. You post up your, you know. Your work in progress. Work in progress. Your painting, whatever you whatever you want some, some critique on. And it is completely unfiltered critique that's what you should expect when you're going in there it's going to be and and don't get me wrong dude like i've seen nothing but positive things come out there but it is all super constructive but you have to understand there are professional painters <laughs> inside of our discord oh yeah that will tell you where you're fucking up <laughs> so yeah it, if that's not what you're down for there are the regular channels for posting up hey i finished this here's what i did and people are like, hell yeah, it looks great and all that. This is a dedicated channel for when you want somebody to come in and really get into what you could be doing better. Yeah, yeah. I'm too thin-skinned to <laughs> put any... <laughs> I have put nothing in there. I just know it was a request from the from a couple of community members where they wanted a critique channel. And I was like, hey, what better way than roast my model? 
And uh, I think it's a great idea. It it can if if you're looking for that kind of feedback, you want 100 percent honest criticism on your model yeah. to up your game. That's where you go. Yeah, if that's the kind of thing that helps you grow, there's it's there for you. If if that's not your bag, you don't have to worry about it. I love the Discord, dude. Like everything about the Discord, we got the food channel. We've got the roast my model, the work in progress. Pets. We have the the mental health channel, which is I put that there just just because I had heard some people in the hobby were having a bad time, and uh, as many people <laughs> that use it, yeah, it uh, it kind of blows my mind. There's that there's the a bot we incorporated where you can do stuff anonymously if you want. Yeah, you can. Uh, uh, there's two channels with the anonymous bot in there. We have the uh, roast my model channel, so. Uh, <laughs> If you want to anonymously give feedback, you can use the Voltaire bot for that. Or if you're in the mental health channel and you don't want to tell everybody that you're having a rough time, you can also yeah. uh, just anonymously tell this bot to post for you and get feedback towards the bot. Yeah. Mm. And it also facilitates like direct messaging anonymously. Yes. So it's just a neat tool for that. Yeah. Every time we run across a cool new bot or something like that, we just uh, scoop it up. Add it to the add it to the Discord. Uh, the TikTok bot is now in the Discord. So yeah, we just got all sorts of cool stuff in there. Just, just some cool robots doing stuff. So yeah, Discord's fun. Hell yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff. I forgot out. we added the work in progress or the I'm sorry the uh, roast. the roast my models <laughs> uh, channel. Yeah, I've seen some people getting use out of it already. People getting roasted. <laughs> hey, you know what you signed up for. So. We might need to add a disclaimer like, hey, make sure you're only posting your models. Don't post up your buddy stuff so you have like... <laughs> I'd be messed up. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah. So that being said, once again, 30kdiscord.com or horseheresydiscord.com. Just put that in your browser. It'll take you right to the link. Mm-hmm. Get on in there. Uh, so that being said, I think we had a uh, voicemail from Powerful Duncan. Powerful Duncan, yes. Yeah. So if you too have a voicemail, you can reach out to 361-265-8658, and that'll leave a, a voicemail directly for us. We'll play it live on air. We don't filter these beforehand. Uh, if you, for international reasons, like you don't want to get charged international for calling, you could always reach out to us over Discord or Facebook or email, anything like that, which is actually what Duncan did. And drop a file. Sometimes the the uh, voicemail box can cut you off at some point. Three minutes, I think, is where so, it cuts you off. So if you don't want to worry about that, you can just record using a recording device on your phone and get you get a file and send that to us, and we'll figure it out. Yeah, we're pretty tech savvy around here. So if you got your, even if you sent us a mailed in a tape to us, we could probably get it worked out for you. I mean, my dad's an audio engineer. We can if we <laughs> he actually recently was trying to digitize an eight track somebody recorded like decades ago it was like a recording that somebody's band had done and he figured out a way to do it if you record us a voicemail on eight track we'll figure it out for you i'll have to call my dad and be like <laughs> we'll figure it out I'll, I'll i'll put it to work i'll figure that out real quick like hey i don't actually know what's on this so if it's anything weird it's not my fault i mean it's kind of my fault but picture it it's 2018 it's the weekend before july the 4th I get up on Saturday morning, and I'm not feeling the best. But I go through my usual daily routine. I have coffee. Um, I do get the groceries for the next rest of the next week that my wife and I decide on. I drive around. I take my wife's car to get an old change. But I'm feeling significantly under the weather. Um, 
And strangely enough, despite being significantly more gassy than normal, my guts don't seem to like me a lot, and I don't manage to take a crap all day long. I barely manage to keep down any food or any liquid. This is important. Sunday, I wake up. I feel even worse. But, you know, I'm a man. I'll gut through it. I get up after one of the worst night's sleep I can ever remember having. And uh, I get up, and I don't keep down my coffee, which for me is a terrible thing because if you know me, you know I have a horrible caffeine addiction that if I do not have a caffeine and cannot keep caffeine in my system in the morning, I'm liable to commit multiple counts of murder. But I got through the day, and my wife's looking at me really concerned. She has, the next day she has a trip scheduled, and she's going to be gone most of the week while I have to work Monday and Tuesday, and then I have the Wednesday through the rest of the week off. And I lay, I lay down that night, and I can't get comfortable. My whole body just hurts. My gut to my feet, to my head, everything. Miserable. I figure I'm just going through like a flu or something, and I'll be okay come Monday or Tuesday. Wake up about, four, I don't know, maybe four or five in the morning, and I, I, have, I feel worse than I've felt many, almost any other time in my life. And um, my wife is sitting up in bed staring at me. And she's like, "Hun, are you okay? And I'm like, no, no, I don't think I am. I think I need to go to the hospital. I think I need to go to the doctor. She puts her hand on my forehead, and it, apparently it's burning hot, but I'm just trying to gut through it. She's like, you're going to the hospital right now. I was like, no, it's fine. I'll be fine. You have your trip. You need to go on your trip. You're leaving in a couple hours. She's like, no, no, you're going to the hospital. We're going right now. And I can argue better than most, and I can argue and be stubborn just as well as damn near any one of us. But that time I didn't argue, and I wasn't stubborn. And I was like, okay, hon, let, let's go to the doctor. So we drove over to the University of Kentucky emergency room. They take me back into the emergency room. It's like 5-something in the morning or whatever. And uh, they look at me after they get me in there, and they give me a, a temperature reading. And they're like, you have a temperature of 102 point something or other. I don't really remember what the actual number was. All I know is it was 102 plus. And they get in there and they start doing diagnosis. And apparently my abdomen was like hard as a rock. And uh, they're like, sir, we uh, we think you're you're we're gonna have to do a, a CT scan and and uh, this and uh, that and an MRI. And they do that, and the whole day goes on, and they do all these tests, and my wife's sitting there with me, and they say, we're going to admit him. And they tell me this about 12, and I said, okay, hon, you know what's going on. I'm admitted. You can go on your trip. Have fun. I'll be here. It's okay. You don't need to sit with me. So she goes off, finally, um, and I'm sitting there like, eh, a day or so, and I'll be out of the hospital. I'll be fine. Uh, no, no. Um, you see... My entire colon and lower intestine, 12 inches of it, is apparently riddled with diverticulitis. Um, and one or more of the diverticuli have become blocked and have filled up with pus, have ruptured, and have turned me septic. So I spend a week in the hospital um, from, the July, from, um, from that Monday morning through, I think it was Friday or Saturday morning the next week. I missed the 4th of July and everything else. Um, I am in the hospital 
finally get discharged on Saturday. And uh, my my very good friend, who I cannot thank enough for things, uh, Jack, comes, picks me up, takes me home. And I spend the weekend at home. My wife gets home Sunday night. And at this point, I've been released from the hospital. I'm on painkillers. I'm on massive amounts of antibiotics. I've been told to schedule surgery sometime in the next month for my diverticulitis. And Saturday, I get home in the evening, and I'm not hungry, and I go to bed. And I wake up Sunday, and I have a sandwich in my coffee. A sandwich was for lunch, coffee was for breakfast. And I cannot keep the sandwich down. My wife gets home. She looks at me. She's like, how are you feeling? I'm like, well, other than not being able to keep any food down, I'm okay. She's like, all right. Well, I'm glad you're out of the hospital. And go to bed. Sleep just about as badly as I had that second night. I I had this going on. And uh, get up Monday morning, drive myself to work. And I don't know how I actually got to or from work. Um, my, My boss... And a good friend of mine took one look at me after he got there, about an hour after I did, and said, you need to go and go back to the doctor right now. You are so pale, you look like a sheet of paper. You need to go to the hospital again. So I drove myself home somehow. My wife comes home. I called her when I got home, told her it was an emergency. Um, She took one look at me. She put her hand on my forehead, and apparently I was back up to being severely feverish. And... She took me back to the emergency room, and I'm sitting there in the emergency room. They're like, you're back. What's going on? And they run my fever, and I'm over 103. Um, and this is with the pain meds and the antibiotics and everything they've given me. And the uh, GI doctor comes down, takes one look at me, does another scan of the stuff, the other, and says, another diverticuli has ruptured. Um, you're septic again. We can't do this. You have to have this out now. We're going to have to schedule you an emergency surgery. So it was Tuesday morning. They scheduled my surgery for like 8 a.m. And I don't get back into the, the uh, surgery room until about 10.30 or 11 o'clock, somewhere right around there. And the anesthesiologist is in there. And he's like, I haven't even talked to him. So they delay me for another hour so he can run all this stuff. And they finally get me in there to do do the surgery. And they get me under. And I come out of it in the worst pain of my life. Um, Like gasping for air. Hardly able to breathe. Excruciating pain. And I've been shot. And this was was worse than that. Um, They give me a shot of fentanyl in the ER. Because that's the highest painkiller they could give me. And it doesn't even touch the pain. So I'm literally sitting there gutting through this pain, gasping, excruciating misery for about two to three hours before they give me another shot of something because the doctor wouldn't give me anything because it might conflict with the fentanyl and cause my my lungs to shut down. So they let me be for about two hours like that. They get me back into into the hospital room. The doctor comes to see me and she says, well... I'm very glad you came through. You don't have to have a uh, colostomy bag, which was a huge fear I had. Um, But so that you know, we've removed your entire colon. Um, We've removed 12 inches of your intestine. And when we went in there to pull it out, they tried doing it laparoscopically, but they ended up having to zipper me from just about half an inch below my belly button to 
uh, a bit north of my uh, uh, my junk. And she said, we had to do this because when we went in there to remove it, your colon and lower intestine were falling apart as we were pulling it out. You were that septic. I was like, well, holy shit, this is terrible. So I spent a week in the hospital after that. So now at this point, I've now spent two weeks in the hospital. But it's two days after my diverticulitis surgery. And at this point, all I'm allowed to have are ice chips because of how bad all my, my, my holes in my stomach are. And this box arrives in my room. And it says, from Monty. And it's cookies. <laughs> and they look fucking delicious. They're good cookies. At this point, I haven't been able to keep food down for two weeks. And I am finally on the upswing. But I can't eat anything. So, Monty... I love you, brother. This surgery is horrible. The recovery is bad. It took me over a month because of how bad they did me. But um, if you want some cookies, man, I got you, brother. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) it's so funny how uh, (laughs) cookies aside, right? Like... uh, what he had is kind of the exact same thing I had. Uh, just a much more severe, like... Just way more severe. So, like, uh, his diverticuli, which is, like, the folds in your stomach that make make little pockets, mm-hmm. uh, his ruptured internally, which is, like, the worst thing that can, you know, happen. That That's, like, worst-case scenario because it gets all your stomach contents inside your actual body, and that's when you get septic and, you know, you die. But, you know, in his case, he just got really sick. Uh, but... Essentially, just like pretty much exactly like he did, uh, I was in pain, like I was constipated, all that jazz, and I was like, "Well, I gotta go. I gotta. I got a meeting in Houston. I gotta drive." And so I just manned up and did it. And the more and more I went, the more like it was just like, man, if I would just gone to the emergency room when I started feeling bad, it would have been like, "Well, this is bad. Let's get you some antibiotics and you're cleaned up." Uh, but because I waited, the more that the uh, uh, the infection like essentially just like set in the more scar tissue it did to my, uh, uh, to my lower intestine and my colon and all that jazz. And so it makes your walls thinner, which essentially if you heard about what he said later on, he got it, he had another diverticulitis, uh, upset where it actually ripped through. That's it, it. You become more susceptible. So like, Essentially, when I had it, they were like, hey, you've got all this like weak spots in your uh, in your colon, your lower intestine. We need to do surgery. And it's like it's it's voluntary, not voluntary. They're like, hey, we got to get you fixed up down there. But it's kind of one of those things like, well, as long as I don't eat crazy, you know, I could probably get away with it through the Christmas season. <laughs> and, you know, and so that, that I waited to do mine. But that, that's that's what I'm recovering from right now is that like where they actually went in, and removed it and went back. Um, as far as the recovery side of it, when I sent him cookies and everybody was like, thought it was like this huge joke that like, you know, I sent like, I sent him cookies when he had, like, I was truly trying to just do a nice thing. Cause yeah, like, you weren't trying to rub salt in the wound, <laughs> but, um, I will say that having been in the opposite seat now, <laughs> when you are, you do have your fresh new, uh, uh straight pipe colon. Um, and you are starving and they're like, Hey, we need, we got to go. Like you have to do these milestones, right? You have to pass gas. You have to, 
uh, use the restroom. You have to like do all this stuff because they, they like every time you do one of those little milestones, like oh, did you pass gas? It's like I did. It's like all right, cool. We're gonna go ahead and let you start. You know, we're gonna give you a liquid diet, so you're okay, gonna they, get to have, ease up the restriction with yeah. every milestone. Yeah, you're gonna get to have uh, ice cubes. Like you couldn't even have like I couldn't even have water when I got a surgery. They would let you have ice, but you couldn't swallow it. They told you, it's like, you can put ice in your mouth because your your mouth is going to be all dry, but you can't swallow any of it. You got the IV, it keeps you alive. And so until you pass gas, you can do nothing except watch everybody around you in the hospital eat. And that's all you can do. Eat all the food baskets people send you. Yeah. And so finally, you know, it's like, then, you know, then you get to move on to all the kinds of broth you could possibly want, which is, you know... Chicken or beef. <laughs> this is all you get. <laughs> and then uh, finally, when you do uh, have a movement, then they get like, all right, cool. Well, I thought it was going to be like, all right, cool. Now you get to eat soft food. No, they're just like, all right, cool. Now you can eat anything. Free range. You like go to town. It's like, wait, you mean I can eat Whataburger right now? <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. You want me to order it? What's up? We eating Whataburger? What, what are we getting? We can get some wiener schnitzel. <laughs> it's like. Oh, my God. And I will say. One of the worst things while you're recovering is you just kind of sit there and you're like, you have to lay in bed. And then it's like, when he says it feels like you got shot, I can only imagine that's what it feels like when you got shot. Because uh, me, I have like five different scars in my stomach. They went in all over my stomach. Oh, damn. And uh, I always like think about like those videos where like somebody gets shot or like stabbed and they just walk it off. It's like, no, man, there ain't no way. Like, yeah, I guess they have adrenaline and that would have been nice. But no, dude, even with the painkillers, it's horrible. Uh, but that being said, while you're sitting there laid up, not doing anything, you watch some TV, knock out some Judge Judy or the new uh, Judy Justice on Amazon. I'm a huge Judge Judy fan. Okay. For two weeks? Oh, no. For like <laughs> when I had my brain surgery, I was out for a month. I watched Judge Judy every day. Oh, okay. Yeah. Judge Judy. She's a little racist, <laughs> but she's <laughs> oh, like. No. Oh, no. You, look, man. She, she delivers justice, but it's not equal justice. I'm just saying. I've seen it. I've seen enough Judy to know. <laughs> but anyway, that being said, uh, all the commercials are food commercials. Oh, no. All of them are like Domino's. All of them are like, you know, oh, it's like, here's the new Shack pizza or something. Nothing but like pizza commercials or like, you know, Wendy's commercials. So it's not even like regular food. It's like commercial food. Like disgustingly slow and they they like obviously these are like advertisements for like they want the food to look as good as like, possible like the food like they've misted it and like they put screws in it so the cheese is like extra like stringy yeah and then they you know they uh they have like all of the pickles on one side so it looks like this thing's just covered in pickles and i hope nobody's listening to this podcast like super hungry that'd be I'm really saying, dude, that'd I'm, be really unfortunate I, well so <laughs> as you're done with the surgery that's all you see and all you want is food that's all you want is food uh, and everybody around you, they know that you can't have food. So they're being like super nice. And so if I was in the situation where a cookie bouquet came, <laughs> like came into my room, I would not be happy with that. Uh, cause I was at some point I was starving. Like, like, I'm just going to tell them I passed gas. We'll just, we'll just, <laughs> whatever, I whatever, say. whatever happens, happens. If they have to go back in, they have to go back in because I get hangry when I'm hungry, bro. I mean, if something bad happens, at least I'm already at the hospital, right? <laughs> yeah, it can't get much worse, right? So, uh, sorry about that, Duncan. If you have a friend that's in the hospital, uh, just send them. Like, I didn't want to send them normal flowers because I thought that wouldn't work. So I was like, what other bouquet can I send them? I can send them a fruit bouquet. I was like, nah, fruit, that's dumb. Let me send them a cookie bouquet. Uh, 
don't send your friends a cookie bouquet. Definitely don't send them a pizza bouquet. Yeah, if you want to do something nice for somebody in the hospital, uh, definitely make sure what they can and can't uh, enjoy. Just send them cash. Because <laughs> they're probably... <laughs> a coupon code? They This isn't a... a this isn't, you know... This is America where capitalism rules. We don't have healthcare over here. Just, just have a little wreath made of uh, money, dollar bills. <laughs> yeah, dollar bills. Uh, send them a money bouquet because that's pretty much the only thing they're going to be thinking about the whole time while they're in What's there. The, the dude in the suit, the like free money from the government commercials, <laughs> yeah. just shows up with a big old, big old bouquet made, made of dollar bills. Hey man, I would have loved one of those. <laughs> that would have been excellent. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, 2018, man, that was a uh, that was. I feel like it was pretty, it was July. We were in the middle of planning something or he was supposed to go to something, but I, I, I do remember uh, all that going down or maybe he was supposed to go to Gen Con, but couldn't make it to Gen Con because he was in that second part of his surgery. I can't remember either way. Yeah. Uh, sounds like a harrowing experience. Thank you for opening up to us and giving us that lovely preamble to uh the the bit about the cookie bouquet at the worst moment yeah the worst possible moment that you could receive a cookie bouquet <laughs> i could imagine that there are very few moments where you don't want to receive a cookie bouquet probably a funeral is one of them but i think probably if i was thinking about whether or not i would rather receive a cookie bouquet at my loved one's funeral or when i had diverticulitis i think diverticulitis would be lower on the totem pole <laughs> like then I mean, I think there's a way to do it for a funeral where it's tasteful. Yeah, I don't think there's any tasteful way to do it while somebody can't can't eat it. Like if you had your jaw wired shut and somebody sent you a cookie oh, bouquet, that's God. probably up there with diverticulitis surgery. <laughs> yeah, it, if, especially if they knew I had my jaw wired shut, it'd be it'd be on site. <laughs> like I've I've got words for you, but my jaw's wired shut, so we're just throwing hands. So it's gonna be mostly just. <laughs> <laughs> Could you please read this note to me? <laughs> Unless we're about to put these cookies in a blender and run a straw somewhere through the wire. That's what I said when they said, you're on a liquid-only diet. And I said, I can make anything liquid. <laughs> and I said, no, it's got to be see-through. <laughs> oh, okay. So, uh, yeah. Well, thank you, Duncan. So, uh, once again, guys, if you guys want to call in, share in a story, uh, you can uh, call our voicemail line or you can send us a uh, Discord message with your voicemail on there. You can uh, email us with your Discord. Just send us a message on Facebook. We'll get you we'll we'll get your uh we'll get your voicemail played. Whew. So I, I appreciate him recording it because he's like, there's no way this is gonna fit in the voicemail before it cuts him off. Yeah, that would have been uh three or four different voicemails before that would and he would have probably just said, you know what, fuck it. They <laughs> <laughs> can fill in the rest of the blanks. Damn. So hobby progress, man. Uh, what have you been working on? All right. So coming off last week, I got in the uh, the powerful Montana Marble Effect spray. Yes. And I did my tries, like my uh, my pass with it. Went a little heavier on it than you did because we both went with like a black base and then a lighter color over it. Yes. You just did a few veins of the uh, the aqua, the turquoise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I'd opted for just like blasting ropes all over them with the white. So, and wanting to see the black through it. Yeah, because that was the effect that I saw that somebody on the internet had tested out with, uh, with Titanicus models. So I just primed them black, went over it with that until I could still kind of see the black showing through, but I had that uh, white texture all over it. Mm-hmm. And then took that... Took that back. I did my airbrush. I put in a little bit of like shading over it so that 
parts of the black kind of turned up to gray, put some quick shade in it here and there, spattered a little bit of blue ink for some like blue veins. Okay. Just like where you pull it back without the air. So it loads up in the, in the tip and then you spray it. So it just spatters. Yeah. Yeah. And then let that dry for a little bit. And then I hit it with the air to push those beads a little bit. So it kind of makes like a more veins. Yeah. And then went in, cleaned up the sides with black. I just scraped it off down to bare plastic. I'm not necessarily sure I'm going to use those bases. I just busted out a quick proof of concept. And then a couple of them I took like a, a fine tip pen that I use for like writing on scrolls and stuff like that. Right. The old triple zero. Oh yeah. The, the old micro pen. Yeah. And then drew in some like grout lines and I'm pretty pleased with it. Yeah, it looks good. It, it is definitely a base. I'm trying to decide if it is, in fact, easier than the than the uh, dryer sheet method. I think so. Like, like we were talking about it, and I do think if you did like a whole army like that, it'd be way faster in, mm-hmm. with this method. But when you pick up the model and like put your eye close to it, it's not going to look as good as the dryer sheet method, right? But with a dryer sheet method, if you do that for like a whole army, you're putting in a whole lot of work that at table tabletop distance maybe doesn't isn't immediately apparent yeah it does not look good at tabletop distance but if you're holding it up close it looks like marble it looks very much like marble yeah and so it's just another thing for the the scale problem where something that looks good at arm's length looks very different close up and vice versa yeah no i thought it, i thought the ones you brought uh last night i thought they looked good yeah so i might experiment with that a little bit like putting that on pieces and then putting those pieces on bases as opposed to just spraying the the naked base and then trying to like draw on my my tile marks makes sense. Uh, also, doing more chugging on ultramarines. I think I've still got to do the like white highlights on everybody in various parts, and then details. And I should be in good shape to start showing them off. Hell yeah! Once I get bases done, and I'm still trying to figure out. I'm probably going to end up using this Montana marble. I'm going to try to incorporate that into the basing somehow. Just because I've been putting tech into it, and may as well get some some use out of it. Yeah, you spent the thirty bucks. You better use it. Yeah, you know? I just got to hope that can lasts for seventy five bases. I feel like it would. I feel like they cover entire walls with it. So I feel like uh, seventy five bases is nothing. I mean, you say that, but I've had stuff that are three D printed that I'm hitting with filler primer, and by the time I do two or three coats, it's like, well, that can didn't last near as long as I thought it was going to. Yeah, it makes sense, I guess. But especially with how heavy I went with it, I kind of went nuts on it. I just blasted it with ropes Uh, what else Uh, I did up some helmets I put up pictures of that in the uh, in the discord the little uh, RFI helmet with the love them with the uh, the headphones over it I was thinking there's something cool we could probably do for that for our patrons yeah for the crusader host boys yeah I don't know maybe maybe just have like files like hey patrons cool here's a little pack of files you get it's cool little RFI helmets yeah I love them they looked great Drop one of these on your master signal. I was thinking about doing that on my uh, on one of my Dakarians, but they're traitors, and I don't want them to be. <laughs> I didn't want the symbol to be a traitor, traitor Dakarian. <laughs> you didn't want that to be the first one we're showing around. Exactly. Uh, what else I've been doing? Uh, mostly just that, and then three D printing. I finally started messing around with the denatured alcohol for cleaning the resin prints. Yep. And I talked to you about it because I'm like, hey, uh, some of the stuff I'm printing, it's like 
it's deteriorating. How long do you typically leave them in there? You're just like less than a minute, probably. Yeah, just, just swish it around. shake it around in there. <laughs> swish like, it around. Yeah, I'm like oh, I left this uh, left this overnight. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna cause some problems. Yeah, and that was one thing I'd seen when I was still using the isopropyl. I had printed a dozer blade for somebody, and they ended up not needing it. And it was like halfway through the cleaning process. It was literally sitting in alcohol. And then I was like, I went and worked on other stuff and just forgot about it. Yep. And then I came back to it, I, I think like a week later, and it was just like deteriorated. Like it wasn't delaminating across the print lines. It was just weakening and then naturally cracking and like being destroyed. It looks great for like base decoration. It was like a destroyed <laughs> dozer blade. I'm like, man, I need to like throw this on a night base or something. So I might draw up some like... Like do some tests where I leave something in there and like check on it periodically and see how long it takes for it to get that good like weathering. <laughs> that, that accelerated, uh, accelerated weathering. Like, like it's like a hyperbolic time chamber. You just throw it in there and it looks like it's been on the battlefield for like a few, <laughs> few couple centuries. Years, you know. Well, that's yeah. cool. How the, do you like the denatured? Uh, it's pretty close to revolutionizing my printing process. It's it, quick. It doesn't take no time at all to clean my stuff. Uh, I'm not sure how long it lasts. I just haven't like put it through its paces that, that way, way longer than it uh, than isopropyl. Way longer than isopropyl. Okay. Uh, it, but you do have to clean it. It does. It does get bad. Okay, and it, to me, it looks like it separates a little quicker as far as like the resin settling to the bottom yes. than isopropyl does, which. Hopefully means I can just leave it for a day or two and then just decant off the top of it and then isolate the most most of the uh, contamination. At one at some point you will essentially it'll feel like you're just isopropyl again, like or the way that isopropyl gets stuff off, they'll still have like little sticky stuff. Mm. And it's like, oh, okay, it's 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 time going to, bad. Time, time to time to do some process. Time to shake it out. Yeah. Okay. Or you know, just go buy another. Fifteen dollar jug from <laughs> from Lowe's. Yeah, so uh, got some good working on that. I have not tried the uh, super resin yet. Oh, the tenacious. Yeah, uh, I'm still kind of trying to figure out the right mix. Some people say it's very precise. Some people say it's not precise at all. So uh, I've got a couple more things I'm trying to finish up printing before I start testing that. Gonna go buy a scale, <laughs> like a, some, some measuring cups, postage scale. I'm told the right. Uh, the right amount is you open a fresh bottle of resin and then you pour in the tenacious until it's almost full. Mm -hmm. And then that's the right mix. That's right mix. Can't go wrong there. I'm like, that's the easiest instructions that hopefully works. Cause that's probably gonna be what I try first. I've already printed up a uh, backpack with like a uh, comms aerial on it. Mm -hmm. So I can do like a side by side, like here's the, here's the uh, regular Elegoo gray snap. snap. <laughs> now here's the tenacious gray. <laughs> it just goes and fucking flies into some old lady's eyes and it's like that's the regular and here's tenacious and some guy falls off a cliff ah, it's like here grab my aerial and he's just hanging on it's just looney tune sound effect <laughs> oh my god that tenacious resin saved my life all of a sudden I'm making commercials for Soraya Tech hey I mean, if you want to get on that, we can. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hashtag not sponsored, but totally could be sponsored. But hopefully the sound effect I'm hoping for is a door, door stopper. The 
Yeah, no, I think that would probably be the ideal uh, springiness that you would want in an aerial. Yeah. Uh, worst case scenario, I just have to do the old battle tech trick where you put a uh, thick bristle from like a scrub brush. Oh, yeah. So it's got just enough flex to it, but usually comes back to true. Or if you want to use the John Christensen method and use a uh, a needle from uh, acupuncture acupuncture oh needles, gosh. those are the best whips by far. That sounds like that sounds a little dangerous. No, they, it's not as sharp as you think they are. Okay, they're great. I've never done acupuncture, so yeah, yeah. Well, you can get a whole bunch of acupuncture needle for a whole lot of not of money, <laughs> <laughs> and not a lot, and not a lot of questions asked. Oh, and then there is also uh, another option was the uh, cat whiskers. Obviously, finding cat whiskers. Sourcing those ethically. Yeah, ethically is, is a problem. But I have found some, and I'm like, this, I get it now. I get why people say cat whiskers are the way to go, because they are very, very thick, and they work perfectly. It's just, it's kind of one of those things where, as you find them, you have to put them aside until you need them. Okay. I wonder if you can buy it. Man, I don't even want to know if you can buy how much. Whiskers. How much do you think those would be? I don't know. Let's see. I got to know. Because you know if there's some place selling them for like dirt cheap, there, there's going to be people protesting. It's like if you're just sourcing these from, from little kitties. No, I don't want to know. <laughs> I mean, you open this can, can of worms. Ten real oh. cat whiskers. Ten naturally shed white organic local source cat whiskers. And what, what are you searching this on? Facebook Marketplace? This eBay. eBay. This is a 10 for eight ninety nine. And they show the cat. And I, <laughs> no. Like show I'm the just, cat? I'm just assuming. Yeah, they show the cat that they came off of. <laughs> and like he's just. Yeah. You know? He's just, he looks happy. He doesn't look like he's. For all. I mean. Suffering. I mean, do we need to do a wellness check on this cat? 15 real cat whiskers, white with black ends, naturally. This is the same person, though. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Who oh gosh. I'm, I'm hoping. Hold on. Let me see. I, I'm really hoping we don't get an email or a, <laughs> a voicemail about how this is actually super depressing. Well, dude, you know what red sable brushes were made of. So <laughs> just, you well, know. well, yeah, but they want to make sure that they can keep making these brushes. They don't want to just hunt these things extinct. Oh, man, that's a they lot just, of whiskers. They just catch them, shave the tip of the tail, and let them go, right? Right? Yes. That's actually <laughs> what they do. Sure. That's not what they do. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Why must something suffer from my art? <laughs> I just wanted to have a guy with a radio on his back, and it doesn't break. Oh, Lord. Anyway, so, yeah. Apparently, you can buy cat whiskers on eBay. Who knew? Now you all know. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, you don't have to have that on your search history. <laughs> uh, that's that's pretty much what I've been up to. Excellent. Uh, what have I been working on? Uh, so I will say that the spray bottle for the Army Painter Greedy Gold uh, went AWOL on me. Well, not AWOL. It just went crazy on me and exploded yeah, all over one of my turrets. I built a conversion beamer turret with a uh, Decurion. Yeah. I wanted a locust to carry inside of a unit of uh, three conversion beamers. Hell yeah, you do. And uh, that's been my go-to for all of my turrets was using that uh, greedy gold through armor painter through the can because it, uh, like, I, I have not found a airbrush gold that I liked that 
would go cleanly through the airbrush. And so mm-hmm. I'd just been spraying. And at the time, they didn't have retributor gold, so I was using that greedy gold. And for whatever reason, it had been working fine. And then this time, it just something happened. It wasn't humidity because I spray it, and then I every time I spray something, I bring it inside, and it works out fine. For whatever reason, this stuff just inflated on my models and got just mm. disgusting. I mean, it might have something to do with like the pressure inside the can when it's spraying. Because I've had some where they start off spraying just like garbage. It's just like huge and clumpy and it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But then once I empty a certain amount out of the can, then it gets the correct amount of pressure. Well, maybe that's what it was. But either way, uh, I got to remake. I, I've got extra turrets, so I can just remake that one. And I've got some uh, uh, extra sanguinary guards so I can, you know, because I wanted that dude to be all abbed up and, you know, oh, yeah. Adonis style. but Yo, pretty boy. Yeah. So wasn't super happy with that happening. It's unfortunate. Um, I've been doing a lot of like a uh, TikTok lives uh, under the Radio Free Estevan uh, TikTok. So I've been doing a lot of lives where I've been using uh, Monument Hobbies Pro Acryl and like just no reason to use Pro Acryl. It's just I've been testing out all different yeah. things. And just, so just pimping that out on the stream. Yeah, man. There's been a ton of like, uh, like I would say that out of all the streaming I've done, their YouTube, Twitch, everything like that, TikTok live, like I'll go on there for like an hour or two and just, I'm like meeting incredible people on there. Uh, one of the craziest things I met was, uh, I was painting up some, some blood angels and this guy was like, how do you like the, how do you like the paint? And I was like, ah, oh, it's excellent. It's good stuff. You know? And the guy goes, oh, yeah, I work for Monument Hobbies. <laughs> and I was like, oh, hey, welcome to the stream, buddy. You make how's, good how's stuff. How's it going, Brand Ambassador? And he goes, oh, I, uh, uh, he's like, I mixed the paint up. And I was like, oh, dang. I was like, I was like, wait, so there's a possibility you mixed up this paint that I'm spraying with right now? And he's like, yeah, probably. He's like, actually, yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like <laughs> the only one that would have. It's like, holy cow. Like, so, uh. That was pretty cool. It's crazy. All these people just kind of like come in, they check out what you're painting, um, ask a bunch of questions and a lot, you know, it's just me basically saying, Oh, I'm painting blood angels. I'm painting blood angels. Um, but that being said, as far as like what I've been painting, uh, I've been working on my infantry for, uh, for my blood angels, for my, my thick boys. Yeah. Down with the thickness. Yeah. And so, so that army is, it's kind of like, Ideally, what I would like to do is I would like to do like a full like day of revelation, possibly uh, thick boy army where they just jump in and all that jazz. But, you know, the, the more you put those models together and the more that you see them, they're like super rugged. They're super like heavy models. You want to start incorporating like other, you know, manly, like thick stuff like Typhons or like. Vindicators, you know, stuff that you just associate with like rough and tough, right? Like if it has a reinforced in the rules, that's what you want, right? And so, uh, uh, I, that all kinda, this because they had little pot bellies, <laughs> dude. Those, I <laughs> love those models, dude. I love them so much. They're so thick. They're so like would th- would this guy really be in Day of Revelations? Oh, I don't know, man. That's what I'm saying. Like, it'd be hilarious if he was. It'd be freaking great if he was. And that's kind of what I'm just, I'm, I'm doubling down. I'm tripling down on uh, these shooting stars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I've been working on these infantry. Um, 
I needed tax squads regardless. So I, I've been working on a tax squad. Um, I've been working on uh, just some Mark Six assault Marines, but I think I'm just gonna put those to the side fully because like I'm not vibing with them right now. And by the time you are, we might have a kit for them. E- e- pretty much, like I've got 20 dudes that are Mark Six assault squads with the Mark Six jump packs, you know, full arms, ready to paint. Like they're all red, actually. That's how deep in and ready they go they are. Until I got introduced to the Thick Boy files, the Mark Three Thick Boys, mm. and I was like, you know what? Scrap all these. I don't need any of these guys. I want friendship ended with Mark Six. I want Chunk, baby. Mark Three Plus is new best friend. I want Trader Mark Three, and, and so that's what I've been working on. I've been getting them painted up. Uh, I've done the uh, the Pro Krill Bold Red on top. Excuse me, with an undercoat of uh, burnt red. And I actually got that kind of recipe from uh, uh, from Powerful Cult of Paint. Yes. They painted up a Blood Angel recently with the new Terminators. And so I went through, saw how they did it. Uh, they obviously used different colors. Like they did Mephestin red underneath corn red. And so I did, you know, the pro curl version of it. And uh, I love the way that came out. Like, it truly makes that blood red pop. And, like, that shadow underneath really makes everything look clean. And I'm doing a Zenithal before, coming through with a low PSI. And so it's it's huge highlights and huge shadows is what uh, really helps them out. Hell yeah. And then once those are done, I just come through with some trim, walk out, walk through the trim on them. And I'm going with a black trim instead of a gold trim to kind of make them feel more trader. And uh, uh, running through with some of the new the new flesh wash from Proco. I would, I would previously I'd use Reichland Flesh Shade because it's got that red tint to it, and run that through everywhere. Now I'm using their flesh wash, which is also that like red tinted like shade, that warm shade. Yeah, and so running through all the recesses with that. Bing bang boom. Bing bang boom. Some gray inside all their joints, and I've got myself a Mark Three Marine. Um, I, I love that I can print these because I've got tons of uh, Mark III heads and arms and all that jazz as far as like being able to like print them and good to go and then actually use a little bit of Games Workshop in there. Yeah. And uh, I think what I'm probably going to end up doing now is I think I'm going to start printing off of the uh, unassembled and then assemble like because I do want to do black arms. And I do realize, like, I'm not great with a brush. I still realize I'm not great with a brush. I can't get the layering down right. My stuff comes out looking a little too thick, even mm-hmm. though I thin my paints down. Even though, like, it just it, it doesn't. I'm not I'm not studied on it enough right now. But I can uh, do some pretty cool layers with uh, airbrush. And so what I think I'm gonna start doing is I'm going to start separating my head and my arms from the bodies and jump packs. And I'll, I'll just basically just glue the jump pack to the body legs, paint that all red, get that the red I like, get all the trim done. And then I'll go and I'll paint the heads black. I'll paint the shoulder pads and the arms black, and then I'll glue it all together and then start painting detail. There you go. I Do some sub assemblies. Yeah. I'm definitely going to start doing some sub assemblies. Uh, just, just because I'm, 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 I love where my my uh, my tactical squads are at right now, and I think 
I now see the light on how I can make them better. And I'm tripling down on that painting process. I, 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 one of the big things that BB studios really like brought out of me was when you're painting a model, always try and like outdo yourself is one of the things that he was like harping on. Like, don't, don't just paint a model to get it out of the way paint a model and try and outdo yourself the next time you do it. Right. And so like every time I do that, like I'll feel Celsius like, man, next time I do this, I need to do this different to do this better. And so like, uh, uh, that's something like I painted up a last night. I painted up a sanguinary priest. Yeah. And, uh, I just kept trying to like not take shortcuts and like, just like, I, I, even after ending the stream, I just kept going for like another like two hours after that. Like, because I was so frustrated with myself by how chunky my kind of like my painting was looking. I think it's just, I kept stacking layers and layers and layers on top. And, uh, um, it, it made it through the ugly stage and like started looking like an actual model again. And I just kept going and kept going, kept going. And I was like, man, dude, it's like, okay, I now know what I was doing wrong at the beginning of this, why some of this stuff was looking a little chunkier, like where I was picking the wrong paint and where I wasn't doing this right. And so like I got this like full model, like pretty much ready to go, but I wasn't happy with the face. I wasn't happy with like uh, kind of his like red cloak and all that stuff. And I was like, I'm just going to strip it. I'm going to strip it and try again. And, and I was, as I was looking at it today, I was like, this is a perfectly playable model. <laughs> like, like this is a great looking model that I could go play with right now. Like it would be fine. Like people would look at this and probably be like, this looks great. And in my head, I'm like, no, like this is, I want to try again at this. And like, it all comes from that, like BB miniatures mindset. It's like outdo yourself, like continue to outdo yourself because if you're not growing, why are you doing it? Right. Yeah. That. And then I think all artists suffer from that paradox of by creating the thing, You've increased your skill, and with that increased skill, you look at what you just did and be like, I could do better. Uh, no, dude, I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you, the, man. The hardest part is calling it done. And, you know, dude, what's going to suck is uh, I'm going to, because I have 20 TAC Marines in Mark Six armor. <laughs> like, they're ready to go. I've got TAC squads, but I was like, yeah, I'm going to go Mark Three. And now those Mark Three. They're leagues beyond my Mark Six. Like they just look better. They're chunky boys. They look. They're way cooler looking. It's like, well, yeah, I would never use my Mark Six now. And like, it's like, and I thought about it. I was like, well, what if I put everything I learned with these guys and I disassembled these and like subassembly painted them? And what maybe. if I just completely repainted my whole army? Yeah, that happens. I get in that mindset sometimes. And. uh uh, LA totally awesome is just too cheap not to <laughs> oh, not gosh. to make that a consideration. Yeah. It's just right there. So uh, that being said, I mean it's I, I've been I don't know if you saw I've been working on Crimson Paladins uh, uh, as part of your uh, Siege of Sithonia campaign. One of the guys that of the Blood Angels players uh, he needs to use some. Yeah, and so that was like a get him painted, get him painted quick. And give you the, the urgency to get it done. The urgency to get it done. So I, I, I got eight of them done. I still got 12 more, <laughs> but I, I haul, I'm hauling ass on them right now. I painted them red. I painted them like the, the pro crow red. Looks so good. The gold comes out excellent. Um, they're fun. They're super fun to paint. I just don't have any basing method for them. I got to figure out how I'm going to base them. Yeah. I'll probably just throw them on blank 40s and let, let him figure it out. Let him play with them until I figure it out. So. Okay, yeah. I mean, we don't so far have any kind of, like, 
uh, preferred enemy unpainted or things like that. Because, like I said, oh, you know, I do. I mean, it ain't happening. <laughs> yeah. Ain't no way. Yeah, I mean, right with the book just came out. A lot of people want want to try new stuff, like the Koreans and things like that. So, uh, I'm just trying to get people to get games in. No, I get it. I get it. Um, so here's the thing. Here's something that I will uh, all you hobby painters out there. Um, so I told you I've been streaming on TikTok, right? Yeah. So with that, I was just, and, and essentially I just, I'm trying to get my TikTok up to 3,000 3, followers mm-hmm. so that I can live stream using OBS on my computer and have like multiple camera angles and just do all that jazz, right? But until that happens, I just have to use my phone, which is not the worst thing to do. And so... What I did was I picked up a, a, a like a friction arm and like have this friction arm. It's like right in front of where I would paint. And I just like paint around it. And that's like one of the like third arm style where it has like a, a bunch of joints. Yes. Okay. And so that's what I've been doing. And it was only like uh, like twenty bucks or something like that. It was it was super cheap. Well, then you know um, as I was watching some other creators, I think uh, Andor paints or Ando paints. Uh, he's a Star Wars Legion painter. I was looking at his uh, his background, like he had this like big Star Wars sign up, and I could see this like giant ring, and I was like, "Are you painting with a ring light?" He goes, "Yeah, man, I'm, I'm using a ring light. It's a, it's around my phone, and uh, uh, I used it to help uh, illuminate my my uh, my models for the stream." But now I realize, like, this is way better than any, like... It's just a really good painting setup. It's a really good painting setup. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'll try it. And, like, ring lights are, like, 13 bucks. Yeah, you can get them, like, <laughs> super accessible now. Yeah, ring lights are nothing for the LED ring light. And so I bought this ring light. It just so happened to fit right on my arm. And then it came with a phone mount, too, even though I already had the phone mount. But whatever. Turns out a lot of these just come with a phone mount to hold your phone's camera right in the middle of that light. And, and man, dude, I'll tell you that ring light, it's got the, uh, the warm setting, the natural light setting, and then the cool setting. And I'm, dude, it is so nice. Like, and I have to paint around it. So like you think about like, Oh, I would not want to be the guy that has to, like look through, like essentially you see how you're like looking at your microphone right now. Yeah. Like if your model is right here, like that's what you're doing. If, if I was painting, like literally trying to paint while recording. So I'm trying to keep my equipment right in front of my face yeah. and I'm trying to see beyond it and focus on my model, but not on what's literally here right in front of me. Yeah. That's what I have to do. But the ring light makes it crisp, dude. Like mm. you can see everything. It's all fully illuminated in front of you and you just go to town, man. It's so nice. So I would say that if you're out there, even if you're not planning on streaming, Get yourself a ring light. They're 13 bucks. <laughs> They're $13. Like, what else are you going to buy? So, like, in this day and age of uh, of inflation, that's that's <laughs> not even... You can't even go to McDonald's for less than, like, 20 bucks. Uh, yeah. So, get yourself a ring light. So quit playing around. Quit being stupid. <laughs> go ahead and pa- pause the podcast. <laughs> go, go get one right now. Well worth the money, dude. Huge investment. Love it. There we go. So... You heard it here first. Uh, what else, man? What else have I been doing? I mean, I've been trying all sorts of stuff recently. Um, but I'm, I'm right there with you. I feel like there's stuff I forgot that I was doing. Yeah. I'm good though. This, this week was a week for like trying new stuff. Yeah, dude. I've, I've been painting like crazy. I've been, uh, I'm trying to get to a point in my ultra means it's not boring to talk about or listen to. <laughs> <laughs> this is- 
Oh, I'm like, dude, I got to get these guys done so I can do something that's like interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have been doing stuff that's interesting. You've been, you started the Siege of Sithonia campaign. That's true. Uh, the book came out and nobody else was doing it. And you were hyping up the, how, how much of a huge giga chad you'd have to be to make this thing work. And Derek said, hold my beer. <laughs> a bet. Let's hear it. Tell us about your Siege of Sithonia campaign. Okay, so I think we talked about it last week, kind of what I was trying to get out of it, mm-hmm. just running it bare bones out of the book, try to make as little outside decisions as possible. Yes. Uh, spoiler alert, I have kind of had to make some uh, some administration, administrative decisions, mm-hmm. uh, like what counts as far as reporting games goes. So one thing I'm doing, as long as one player has not reported a game for that week, that game counts. So you could literally go and play everybody on the other team and then all of their games would be against you. Okay. And, but then they could go and play other people on your team that have not played this week. Okay. So if you haven't played a game this week yet, you can go get your game. It doesn't matter who you find. If they haven't played a game yet, cool. You both get your game in. If they've already played a game, that's fine. You, you got to get your game in. Makes sense. So if I play somebody... And they haven't played yet. That game counts. Somebody else wants to play me. If they've already played, then that game doesn't count for the week. Uh, your stratagems, if you use them, they do still count as used. So if you want to blow all four the first week, that's entirely possible. Stratagems are huge. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that in a little bit. But as far as the other decisions, what else did I do? It's kind of weird. Let's talk about points, man, because that seemed to be a... A point of contention? A point of contention. Because that was one of the big things I was kind of worried about whenever I saw that it was like 3,000 to 4,000 points. That was my thing was like, you have to be an established gaming group to do this. 4,000 points is a lot. And I, and I was... That's a lot of stuff. I was a little concerned when you were like, yeah, we're doing it at our hobby store. And I was like, well, I don't even think we have enough people that have that many points. But then when people are dedicated, they just figure it out. And then they start grabbing shit and they start using 40K stuff. You start borrowing stuff. (laughs) You proxy stuff. Like, I don't care if you proxy stuff for this. I'm not trying to audit people's models and lists and stuff like that. But I'm running it like it's run out of the book. And the book recommends 3,000 points for all the core missions. And then the Apex missions, one of them is asymmetrical. Mm -hmm. The Defender uses, I think, I think it's the Defender uses 3,000 points. Or the attacker uses 3,000 points. The defender gets Mm 37.50 or uh, 25% more than the other side does if you want to tweak the points on that. And then the other Apex mission uses two teams of 4,000 points. Yeah, so you have to be an established player or have access to models to... Or turn your stuff into an allied detachment for your friend's stuff. Yeah, so if you have uh, 2,000 points worth or, of models... Or lie to the guy running it about the points value of the game. Okay. <laughs> There's that option, too. I mean, I'm not going to codify that in the rules, but it, nothing in what you're reporting for your games actually says what how many points you're running, because I don't care. I'm just trying to get games in. Yeah. I didn't think I'd have to come out and say this, but, you know, if you need to lie to me to get your game in, as long as your opponent will vouch for you, I don't care. I'd like to know some stuff like how'd the game go? Oh, was, how'd this mission work? Oh, how, how was, how was that with this type of force? Just to kind of get some data on like, Hey, turns out in these core missions, this type of list is really good at all of them. Mm -hmm. But 
other than that, I'm just kind of trying to trying to get cool stuff going. But, yeah, we had a we had a, a fun uh, a fun uh, day inside of the Discord about. Yeah, it was it was, it was a hard sell to some people, but I, I get it. Three thousand points. If you're expecting like an escalation league, three thousand points is a big ask for month one. This is not an escalation league, and that that's kind of like one of the big sells because you're yeah. pretty open about how many points this was going to be. I yeah, I did a little players pack for people, and the whole first page is just, "Hey, what do I need to play?" And then if you sign up, and then you fi- later find out that you didn't have enough points, it's like, <laughs> "Why? Are you, what? What?" I mean, I get it. Uh, heresy is growing, and a lot of people are jumping into heresy right now. I I get it. Uh, like. Anything I can do to facilitate people playing, I don't mind, you know, doing what I got to do. But first, I got to know about problems. And there's a couple people who are like, yeah, uh, I don't I'm not going to play just because I don't I don't like the points cost of it. And I'm like, okay, well, we're going to try to get some games in. If you want to change your mind, I tried to make it where people can drop in and drop out as needed. Like aside from using stratagems, there's no real change week to week on what you do. Your, your list isn't locked in. You can change your list. You can change your faction if you want to switch to a different legion. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to, you know, bust out a stratagem that lets you take, you know, lets you ignore the 25% rule for titans. And then your 3,000 point list is a warlord titan. Which you can borrow. You could borrow it. You could print it. People would probably be happy to loan you their warlord so it actually gets a, a game in. Yeah, it gets more than two games a year. But now, I mean, other good, than that. Good luck on objectives. Table yeah. your opponent. Shouldn't be too difficult. Well, actually, I say that. They really... It seems like they toned down the, like, output of Titans. Especially yeah. against stuff like Dreadnoughts. And there's the... Uh, I've unloaded a Warbringer Titan on a field of, dread, a field of Dreadnoughts and did nothing. Yeah, well, uh, I'm thinking about the... Uh, a lot of the Siege of Sithonia missions are four turns. Yeah, that was another thing I didn't realize until I started putting the, putting the players pack together. Those missions are like they're four turns. That's yeah. what they're built around. There's stratagems that will like force another turn. But yeah, a four turn meta. Yeah, uh, the uh, <laughs> war the warlord titan can't do a lot in four turns. Yeah, it needs the full six turns to to really well, table you. You got a stratagem to get a fifth turn. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying, now you're using two stratagems to play that one game of Titan beat face. Well, if you don't have 3,000 points and you just borrow somebody's Titan and want to roll up and <laughs> put up some numbers. Play a single game. I'm cool with it. <laughs> I'm here for it. What other problems have you seen? Or like, whatever, like what have you seen that you weren't ready for? Or what have Ooh. you seen that you, positive-wise, you know? Like, what are you learning from this? Mostly, I'm just trying to get ready for the uh, the Apex missions. Mm-hmm. One of them uses some specific terrain, like some crashed ship pieces and some grav mines. Uh, mostly been focusing on trying to get that ready. That's what I've been kind How of How many printing. people are playing? Uh, have, so far, four people have played. We're only like halfway through the first week. Uh, a bunch of people said they're down to play. Okay. And, you know, optimistic. Hopefully everybody, you know, gets on board and gets some games in. I don't anticipate everybody's going to get a game in every week. Mm-hmm. I also don't know how long it's going to last. Maximum seven weeks. Okay. But if one team goes off in, in a week, that we might see them trigger that Apex week early. Okay. Uh, I'm just trying to facilitate as much as I can facilitate. 
and just try to keep the keep the games going. Makes sense. I just want to see how the stuff how this works as a campaign framework. Because I, I think I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with this framework. Like I think it's a really good small unit of a campaign. So like having your campaigns like main like plot points tied to the apex missions and then players play games and maybe trigger apex missions independently and just have that be how you affect the narrative could be really interesting. But before I get crazy, every time I have a cool idea like that, I write it down and then I try not to think about it Mm -hmm. so that I can keep, keep going, keep focusing on what's here, what's in the book, how this works, how it's supposed to work. Because it really sounds like we're going to get more missions that use the onslaught campaign system. Yeah, that four turns is killer. In, in the, yeah, in uh, that that is the biggest game changer. Because mm-hmm. now with progressive scoring, you you're really feel pressured to put numbers up every turn. Yeah, quickly. So you want to go into your game real quick? Yeah, sure. So I actually had a Siege of Sithonia campaign game against a powerful Tyler. Uh, I was running my Blood Angels. Tyler was running his Ultramarines. Ultramarines. And uh, Tyler essentially was running a pretty... uh, He was running a Land Raider force with uh, Terminators. I don't think he was playing Pride of the Legion, but it was a couple Land Raiders, a pretty heavy, heavy Terminator squad, two Daredeos with last cannons, uh, uh, two... um, uh, uh, dreadnought, uh, contemptors, contemptor dreadnoughts uh, with last cannons, um, and with versus his game, we were doing three thousand points. We had to roll for the mission. Uh, we ended up going for the search and destroy. That's going to be the the two corner uh, deployments, mm-hmm. and th- our mission was essentially where we had to put out three objectives. It was a four turn mission, and every player turn you would calculate how many. If you were on the objective, you score a point at the end of your player turn. So turn one, you could hop on an objective if it's right next to your deployment zone. You hop on that bad boy, you get a point for that turn. And so the sooner you're on the objectives, the longer you stay on it, the better you are in the going to be at the game. Uh, as far as the army that I ran, I was <laughs> feeling the fat boys. And so like I was like, I'm going to do just like the most like Iron Warrior-like heavy army that I can with like just tons and tons of like artillery is what I wanted to do. And so I ran a, uh, I ran a Typhon. Ooh. I ran uh, two whirlwind Scorpius. I ran an Arcus. I ran two vindicators. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I ran, I ran, when I say I, I ran two vindicators, I ran two Arcus. I ran two whirlwind Scorpius. I ran a Typhon, uh, a couple rhinos, I ran my uh, predator and predator. I ran a predator annihilator with a locust, uh, which is all last cannons. Uh, so gravis last cannons, all this stuff. Just a single predator. And, and by the way, I was running a, a armored spearhead rod of war. Yeah. And so uh, I also had the the uh, conversion beamer predator squad with locust that I've been talking about. Mm. So I had blast templates everywhere and I had a couple of rhinos and I had the uh, siege breaker centurion and terminator armor hell yeah uh, my intention was to give my and this is kind of cheesy I'm sorry for even bringing this up but 
my idea was to give my conversion beamer sunder, but <laughs> you know, a girl's got to do. <laughs> so uh, that was a plan. Um, however, because we did play that corner deployment, I just didn't have the length to for those conversion beamers to work. And then also uh, uh, Tyler. He went off. He went off. He did. Uh, in, in Siege of Thonia, you do have uh, stratagems that you can use. You get four uh, four per campaign. You can use as many as you want uh, per mission you play. And I think, uh, I guess apparently our side, or Tyler's side right now, the allies are down. And so he wanted that win is what he was saying. So he, had, he said he went off. And so he used two of his stratagems. Uh, one of those stratagems let his deployment zone move six inches forward into yeah, mine. To move any any border of your deployment zone six inches. Yeah, so he got his uh, everything closer to me, and then in addition, uh, he just kind of automatically gets first turn and gets to pick who deploys first. Yeah, I reread the stratagem after I heard about this. Uh, yeah, you pick who deploys first, and you pick who who plays first. Yeah, so no dice are rolled. So I deployed first. And he went first, and he was six inches closer to me. Yeah, so he got to counter your deployment and then go first as if he sees the initiative. Yes. And he's closer to you. And so... uh, uh, Huge. Huge um, play. Immediately, I'm on the defensive. Uh, There's... Thinking about it now, how I probably should have played it is I probably should have ran some stuff in reserves, but I was kind of afraid to get tabled. Um, I, I will say some of the things that I learned was I was really excited for the Typhon. And uh, essentially, first turn, Tyler moved forward, and he dumped all of his uh, Terminators out right in front of my Typhon. And I could tell what he was looking to do. He wanted me to move so that he could react to run back into his Land Raider. And, but I'm too slick for that. So <laughs> I, I did not move anything near those Cataphracti. And uh, so they're sitting there, you know, he's, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. Oh, I, at the oh. end of my movement phase, I was like, I was like, uh, yeah, I was like, okay, cool. I'm done moving. And by the way, nothing near those cataphract I moved. And he's like, damn it. And so shooting phase came around and I've got essentially the perfect seven inch circle of cataphract terminators in front of my Typhon and my Typhon's just drooling. Right. That's the, that's the ideal setup, right? Yeah. It's the idea. And I'm like, you know what? Let's find out this thing. We've talked about it. We talked about it. Like, we talked about this exact scenario happening when we were driving back from Houston. Remember yeah. when we were talking about, I think this hyphen's useful again. It's like, what is this meant to do? What is and, and so, you know, the thought was, it's like, okay, cool. Typhon's brutal four strength, 12 AP three. Uh, and it has four uprending. And that's so, the huge part. And so it's like, okay, unload. Now keep in mind because I have a uh, locus everywhere. I've got Nuncio Voxes on everybody. So even if I wasn't running, if even if I wasn't rolling beautiful, which I was, I had dice hits. were hot. <laughs> my my hit my hit dice were hot. Um, check that scatter die. <laughs> I, dude, I, you know what? I don't I, think you rolled anything other than a hit all game. Chill, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I did roll one arrow. <laughs> like finally, like I rolled and there was a single arrow and it was a double one on the arrow. <laughs> but no, dude, I would. That is the OG, like it's the OG oh, yeah, mini the, scatter dice. Yeah, the little red scatter die that came in like the big dice block. Yeah, it's the OG. Like that thing has been with me since 2007, <laughs> boy. <laughs> it also came with like the, the artillery dice. Yeah. With the weird numbers on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, 
so that being said, man, it was, it was one of those things where I had the Nuncio boxes, but I didn't need them. Uh, so I was rolling hot on yeah. stuff that would scatter. So in this case, right, it was uh, uh, 12 Terminators in a perfect circle. And I even took a picture of it. I put the seven inch <laughs> blast over them, rolled the dice. It was a perfect direct hit right in front of them. And so all of them were hit. And so I was like, finally, we get to see how this works. Because um, some things to understand, all you listeners out there, is Cataphracti have a two-plus armor save, but they also are heavy. So when they get hit by blast, they get to re-roll their armor save. And so I was thinking, okay, cool. Um, Let's see what this looks like with Brutal 4. So essentially you're rolling four dice, and then you're going to, you know, hopefully fail one of those and you will, uh, then you get to re-roll the one that you failed. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, essentially I rolled, I got four rending hits. I think I got, uh, 10, 10 wounds all around cause I rolled two ones. And then, uh, and then, then after that it was just straight up, uh, uh, armor saves like cause four died outright. I think it was, uh, he failed his four up invulnerable saves. Yeah, because you, you, you roll them four times. Yeah, you nominate a model, and then you roll four dice because it's brutal four. And if you fail one of those, that wound goes through, and it's, because instant death, that Terminator's just dead. Yeah, double the toughness, so no apothecary can save him. He basically is just a uh, paste on the ground. Yeah. And so four outright smoked. Nothing they could do about it. Okay. Then it got to the interesting part. It was, all right, let's see if any of these cataphracti can... Uh, make it with their armor save against strength 12 AP, you know, four or AP it's AP three. Yeah. And so it's like, let's see what can happen with them. And, uh, even though it is brutal four with that re-rollable two up. Yeah. They, they were fine. Yeah. Oh, I failed one of those armor saves. Oh, I can re-roll it. Yeah. I'll just re-roll it. No problem. Uh, something to keep in mind, the, uh, heavy rule only counts for armor saves. It does not count for invulnerable saves. Right. So, uh, so that is so. If you're wondering about that, uh, it does not let you re-roll your four-up invulnerable save if you're cataphracti. So, totally, um, I thought I was going to do a lot more. Did you think I was going to do more, or did you kind of feel out that was about what I should have expected? I was expecting a little more rending wounds. Yeah, I think you got a lot of twos and threes. I did get a lot of twos and threes. So it's Texas dice. Yeah, but. That's pretty much kind of what I expected. Yeah. What I was not expecting was the two Sakaran Arcus and then the two Vindicators following that up doing not much of anything. Yeah, man. So I unloaded. So so keep in mind, on my first turn, I took a bunch of just a, a huge number of attacks in. Those last cannons did work. Uh, I got a, those the Derideos and the Contemptors just, you know. Full line of sight to my army, so I lost my Predator Annihilator. I lost two of my Conversion Beamer um, Predators. Uh, it was it, it was rough. Uh, it was kind of got unloaded on that first turn. Uh, I did return fire with uh, the Locust. I was trying to blind the Dreadnoughts, uh, but... Yeah, blind doesn't work until the end of the phase. Yeah. So even with Reaction Fire... It it doesn't work out the way you hope it does. Yeah, and if it was further away, because I was only within that, like, the second tier, the 18-inch tier, which is still strength 9, it's only AP 4. 
So that yeah. two plus armor save that the dreadnoughts get, it just doesn't really do much against it. So um, he was in my face first turn. There was nothing in his own deployment zone uh, first turn. Um, but my Arcus, my uh, my Scorpiuses, my Scorpii, uh, and my single Vindicator because I did have a Vindicator blow up. They all unloaded into those Terminators as well. Oh, that's right. You're in an armored spearhead. I was like, I was counting heavy supports. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. My predators okay, the, the, were okay. Were, the predators were, were all troops. That, that makes more sense. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I I whittled down the Terminator squad to four models, and it, that was the Praetor with Chain Fist, the Apothecary with Chain Fist, the Primus Medicae. Oh, Primus Medicae yeah. with Chain Fist, and then uh, two just normal Terminators with Chain Fist. Right. They they weren't the uh, the last four things you would want to see in your deployment zone, <laughs> like yeah, that close to that many tanks. Uh, yeah, but that, that uh, I did not use any stratagems. I mean, it was kind of one of those things. It was an oversight on my part. Uh, I I really I could have used the get the extra heavy support stratagem, but I worked around it. it with the yeah. Well, I wanted to take some basilisk, but <laughs> I like. And now after seeing would that, that would, would that have helped? It definitely would not have helped <laughs> at all. <laughs> not unless you can put them two tables back. Or like I was going to take a Basilisk or a Minotaur. I was going to take a Basilisk or, <laughs> uh, or Vindicators. And uh, uh, I went with Vindicators and it didn't, you know, you saw what happened. Yeah, it was unfortunate. Yeah. So that being said, right, Tyler played it perfectly. He did exactly what he should have done. He, he's learned well. Um... I would say that I'm mostly disappointed with the uh, the the Typhon's nerf that it received for no good reason. I think the Typhon and the uh, Vindicators, I think those should just have instant death so they do more to Dreadnoughts. Oh yeah, that'd be excellent. Yeah. Because it's strength 12. What is that not instant death? Primarchs, which are immune to instant death. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cabanda, who's immune to instant death. Yeah. And Contemptors. Well, I mean... I I think it should be instant death to Contemptors, either by bumping the strength of it, but then that auto-penetrates whatever you hit, or by dropping the toughness of Dreadnoughts, which everybody's going to cry about. <laughs> well, I mean, you can kill a cast of Ferrum Dreadnought instantly. <laughs> with the well, it does D3 wounds to it. Or it does three wounds to it because of its uh, animantic deflector. Oh, does animantic deflector give them a... So against uh, Castaferum, it's three wounds. Against anything bigger than that, it's D3 wounds. Okay. The Castaferum gets like a not as good version. Gotcha. So then, because it's instant death, you're at least putting in real numbers against them. And then Brutal 4, hey, if I got that rend, make some of your invuls. You're going to make them and it's going to count but every failed invul becomes D3 wounds, you are now a significant threat to that Contemptor. Yeah, it just sucks that it's not a super heavy anymore. Uh, So one last one, like, because my my Typhon got immobilized. Yeah, that's harsh. And so, like, once your Typhon's immobilized, that's it. It's game over. It's got a a centerline-mounted Dreadhammer, you know. Yeah, so they just have to keep stuff off that line. Yeah. In addition, uh, rear armor 13 for some reason, even though yeah, it's that, Spartan chassis. That doesn't make any sense to me. The Cerberus is the same way. Why? I, have it, I don't know. It doesn't have power of the machine spirit. 
Also, so, why? That's what, that's what I'm saying. I, I and it's uh, yes, granted, it's 425 points, so it's not a crazy, crazy Lord of War that you're spending it on. But when you have like a Spartan that has, you know, transport capacity, all the stuff for 250 points, and so what, like, what, what am I paying with this 100, 200 point gap? I'm not getting a super heavy out of it. I'm not getting anything like that. I'm just buying a 200 point gun. I'm buying a 200 point dread hammer. Yeah. I don't understand because uh, there's not. I mean, you get the flare shield automatically. That is something I overlooked until the end of the game. Uh, so that, that would have mm, maybe maybe changed a little bit of the way that I played it. But when I'm looking at, I'm looking down the pipe of some Terminators, I had to get away from them. So I do think it made its points back on Terminators. Mm, maybe over the course of the game, not uh, in that one turn, but over the course of the game. But those Terminators also took out, what, both of those Sakarans? Well, I had to use everything in my army to take out those Terminators. Oh. And by that point, he just had Breachers on objectives that were just laughing at Vindicators. Oh, laughing at, uh, laughing at, uh, Whirlwind Score. Oh, yeah, Vindicator. It was the Vindicator. Yeah, no, no. It it was the, I I got confused. I wasn't sure if it was the Scorpius that fired at the, uh, the Breachers or was it the Vindicator. But yeah, no, it was the, uh, it was the Vindicator who... Got like seven wounds on breachers, and they gave no fucks about it. <laughs> like, like, oh, brutal three, roll them. Okay, yeah, no problem. There you go. We're good. Oh, because the because uh, yeah, the sergeant, of, the sergeant, all of took the all rending, of them. yeah, all the rending hits was just tanked on the sergeant's uh, two up armor. Set. No, 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 no. It wasn't the rending hits. It was the because it's only AP three. Yeah, it's only so AP3, the rending yeah. hits took out guys, and then all the ones that weren't rending because that one only rends on a six. Yeah, the sergeant tanked. Five wounds, which were brutal three, so he tanked 15 wounds. Yeah, with a re-rollable two-up. With a re-rollable two-up, which, why wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, learned very quickly, <laughs> heavy against uh, any sort of blast is <laughs> very, very good. And, 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 and that being said, like, you know, I think that, it, granted, I took a, like, super blast-centric army. Oh, yeah. And so, obviously, I've known that Blast isn't good this edition. It's not great this edition. Uh, I did not expect... Because they nerfed all the Blast APs. Yeah, they gave them, like, rending six on a lot of them. Yeah. Rending four on the big ones. But they're, like, AP three or AP four. And they kept their high points value. Like, they kept their points. Right. They're still nasty points. But now they've got this nerf in AP... But also, these things are out there that just have heavy or reinforced that just re-roll or kind of shrug get a benefit against blast. So, I don't know, man. I have no idea what you're supposed to do with a Vindicator, what you're supposed to do with a, uh, a Typhon. You know, there's just, there's... <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, it's, it's rough, man. Like, rip Basilisk, rip Medusa... Uh, Rip Minotaur, Rip Vindicator. Uh, the the Scorpius wasn't bad. Uh, yeah, the I just fired it against the wrong squad. I feel like uh, the uh, because it just has that good AP. Oh yeah, like the Arcus is straight shots. It's just you know five shots at eight two. Yeah, I just I think if you take your Demolisher cannons and everything bigger shells than that, just put instant death on them, so they're threatening the Dreadnoughts. Yeah. Because uh, right now, like, I don't think there's a lot aside from the last cannon kill everything squad that really threatens dreadnoughts. No, 
No. Dreadnoughts are are rough. They're they're gonna continue to be rough. Uh, it's the best weapon against them is another dreadnought. A contemptor fist is really good at taking out dreadnoughts or nullificators. That was another thing. Just just load up with the uh, disintegrators. Yeah, a full like even a five man squad of disintegrators. They're only strength five, but they are AP two. And they are rapid fire. And they are instant death. And they are instant death. <laughs> yeah, it's a little rough. You put them with a warmonger and just show up. <laughs> What's up? Rapid fire. Pew, 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 pew. Yeah. Oh, you're going to intercept me? Okay, cool. That guy's dead. <laughs> <laughs> but they are hella expensive because I think each one of those guns is 20 points. Yeah, the gun's 20 points and the Terminator's like 45 points each. Yeah, you are not... Uh, if you have a nullificator squad or you're taking it just to kill dreadnoughts, you're having a bad time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to do against them, man. That's why people are taking nine-man last cannon squads. Is just to clear them. Just be like, all right, cool. I'm tired of I'm tired of dreadnoughts. Yeah, I'm no longer dealing with dreadnoughts. I get it. No, yeah, they're 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 tough. They're a tough cookie to crack. It's their their high strength or I'm sorry, high toughness, two plus armor save. It's their high toughness, high wounds, two up armor save. Yeah. That's what it is. I think if they'd been toughness six, it'd have been a lot better. Because now you're now you do get instant death on them with the strength twelve demolisher cannons. I did like that I could you know throw out some stuff to blind them. I mean, really, it's if you're yeah. gonna if, if you're gonna get a, a like in the case of the Daredeo, if I would have just you know thrown a unit at them and then said, hey, cool, go ahead and just uh, pile in on those two boys. They were never gonna make it. Mm, I had rhinos. I could have gone up there if I would have gone straight for them. Do the contemptors have fists? Yes, contemptors had fists. The contemptors that were screening for his Daredeos? Yeah, but, you know, that would have been all right. I would have blocked some line of sight. It'd been okay. Okay. You know, we've had some uh, 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 chain bayonets on there. <laughs> Do what they can. <laughs> I need sixes, but I'm Fives, baby. I'm blood angels, baby. Oh, well, yeah, you know what? You're right. So, I don't know. It was a fun game. I mean, I learned a lot. Probably not going to take uh, any Vindicators for a while in a game. Yeah, and I mean, I, th- I think a lot of that was him just unloading with two stratagems. Two very strong stratagems. Oh, yeah. Like an extra six inches on your deployment, and then I choose. You go ahead and deploy your stuff. Okay, now I'll just counter your deployment and then go first. Yeah, no time to think. It's just here. Yeah. Like, that is a powerful combo. Yeah, That he can't do for the rest of the campaign. Yeah, no. I think it would have been, you know... He, he wanted to put up that W for Loyalists, and he did. Yeah, we would have. By got, God, he did. Other way around, we would have got that Land Raider. Those those uh, those Terminators would have been walking <laughs> if it was normal to play with. <laughs> those Terminators would have been walking yeah. a long way. That, and another thing I found out is the... So all the core missions from Siege of Chthonia do use a big list of like five or six secondary objectives. One of which is First Blood. You get... A victory point if you kill a unit in your first player turn. Mm-hmm. Another one is you get a victory point if you kill an enemy unit in the first game turn. Okay. So it's like two victory points for icing a unit first game turn. Solid. The, the difference is one of them, you'll get one of them if you use a reaction to do it, whereas the other one has to be during your turn. Right. So because he iced uh, your Predator Annihilator, which was in its own squadron, right? Yep. 
That was a unit destroyed. He did it in his turn. That fulfills both. Two points. Out the gate. Plus all the points he was getting from sitting on those objectives with the breachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the progressive scoring in this is huge. Yeah. And it's only four turns, so you got to play fast. Those points matter. Yeah. I, I like that they added the progressive scoring. I don't think every mission, every core mission needs to be progressive scoring. I wouldn't mind having one or maybe two that have just end of the game scoring. I see what they're trying to do, though. This is to speed up games. Oh, yeah. It's to get you on objectives, get you out of your deployment zone, and it's four turns to make you move to get it. Yeah. I mean, I don't hate that. Yeah. No, I mean, it's... it it, it It's snappy. It seems like I would like to run this format. I would like to run a four-turn game with Siege of Sithonia-style uh, missions in an event. Right. That's kind of what I'm thinking we can get out of this is a good event campaign system. Because I think you could possibly, possibly get a 3,000-point event with four-turn game turns or four-game turn games and get four missions a day. I th- That'd be a lot, but you probably could do it. Well, if you figure in that you're doing uh, 6, 12, 18 turns in a game now, and you'll be moving to 4, 8, 12, 16, 16 game turns. Plus the setup of the extra game, though. Yeah. Uh, I think, but yeah, they'd probably even but out. Two extra turns. Two turns versus one extra game setup. Yeah. Probably. I think I think you might be able to even out and get more, get more games in. Like I said, that's why I want this data. And with all of those, you know, with all the missions that have you go to the middle of the table, all that stuff, get moving now. It's like, hey... Jump on the center of the table. Let's get this action started. Get kills turn one. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know. Is it, it, I'm it, excited to see what comes out of this. Like one of the, one of the stratagems, remembrance core. Every time you gain a victory point, roll a D six on a four up, you gain a second victory point. Yeah. That's brutal. <laughs> like if you'd busted that one out, you, you might've even the score. Yeah. If it, you could get one of those objectives, and then now you're just sitting there like, hey, I got maybe two victory points for Slay the Warlord. Yeah, the the whole mission, as far as like this whole campaign, really, really, like, if you're running a drop pod army, you're doing great. You're going to have a good time. Like, oh, if you're doing a, like a, oh a Alpha Strike army, you know. I will say, though, keep in mind the Apex missions, both of the ones in this book, don't let you drop pod or yeah. deep strike. It, it, but I mean, until that happens, and that's another thing I'm trying to make sure everybody knows, because if we get to that week and somebody's like, "Oh, well, I'm running drop pot assault," I'm like, well, "Not, not this week. You're not." Sorry, you're gonna have a bad time. All right, take out all your drop pods. Is that 750 points? Cool. Here's a warhound. <laughs> <laughs> that should be an interesting. Take. I don't. I mean, it's not going to be the best, but you know, it's something. I agree. So. But no, I mean, so far, so good. Siege of Sithonia, like, oh, way. Oh, you took the stratagem that lets you place a sinkhole marker that your guys can come out of, right? Yep. Because I bet you did. Oh, I did. No, you did. There you go. Now get your game in. Come on, let's go. <laughs> We're trying to get a campaign moving here. That exists. You can take a stratagem that lets you uh, have a sinkhole that dudes can just uh, deploy out of like reserves. Yeah. One non-bulky infantry unit per turn can walk out of it. He <laughs> just starts spewing from it. Now, if it's a 20-man unit of, like, space wolves with chain axes, you can do it. Every turn. So. But, yeah. Uh, 
Tyler put it up. So with that, uh, that actually brought the score tied between loyalists and traders. So with that, we go to the total victory points for the week. And because of that game, vic- uh, loyalists were up by two victory points. Okay. So technically, uh, loyalists are up. And there's only been two games played? So far. Okay. How'd the other game go? Did you hear anything about that? Uh, I have not. I still need to like uh, pin Kale down and talk to him about it. I know John's, I think Alpha Legion... I think that's what he's playing. He beat Kale's Thousand Sons. And okay. Kale's running the Loyalist Thousand Sons because he's really excited about that fluff. Okay. And uh, I think that was seven to three in John's favor. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to hang out with him a little bit tomorrow and see if I can't get more information about it, how that game went. Yeah, man. And then I've got a game with Cody on Thursday. He's running his Blood Angels as Loyalist, so I'm going to hit him with my Night Lords. Hell yes, please get these traders numbers back up. My next game is going to be gloves off. Oh. <laughs> hey, let them wear their stratagems out early. You already know what stratagem I'm going to be running. We're not going to talk about it now, but it's going to be unruly. Just pan over to the warlord titan on the printer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. That, that's a joke. That is a joke. So. He totally could if he wanted to. I don't know that he's not. I'm just saying. Stuff I've been doing. He's been making moves. So, that being said, man, you got anything else you want to bring up? Anything else you want to talk about? I mean. Uh, mostly just hype on that, trying to trying to get some, squeeze some science out of this thing, you know? Yeah. Because I know there's probably people out there trying to figure out the best way to run this. And if I can put together a document like, hey, here's issues I ran into. Here's kind of decisions I made beforehand. Here's what I think worked. Here's what I think didn't work. I think that's all going to be really good for event organizers and local campaign organizers too. Rock and roll, dude. If that's all you got. That's all I got. All right. Well, man, we will call this episode. I mean, it's a shorter one than usual, but we did have uh, quite a bit of fun recording it. Uh, I had a good time. I do want to shout out to to our patrons, uh, Matthew. Thank you. Okius, Thomas, Duncan, and Scarab Prime. I uh, appreciate you guys uh, supporting the podcast, especially for coming in and uh, uh, hopping on that immediately. Oh, yeah. Um, especially as we're trying to get like cool cool things for our patrons set up. Yes. We definitely are trying to get cool things for our patrons. They, they heard the Patreon was going on. They said, say less. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly Bless. what happened. So Bless. us trying to figure out ways to make it worth your time. Uh, in addition to uh, having your name shouted out at the end of the podcast, we are trying to uh, find out different fun ways to... Yeah, just, just cool things we can do for uh, enabling us to do cool stuff for everybody. Yeah. So thank you guys truly, and uh, we appreciate y'all's time this episode. Y'all have a good one. Bye.